Wrestling with God is an invitation to bring your questions, your doubts, and your frustrations to God, to engage in the struggle of flesh and faith. Those who wrestle acknowledge that they will never have all the answers, but know that the wrestling is still worth it. On this podcast, we hold space for those who have engaged in the struggle, and we invite you to join us as we sit in the tension of faith and doubt and press forward in wrestling with God. So welcome, everyone, to episode four, Wrestling with God. Um, We can now say welcome to our listeners from around the world. Shout out to everyone in Australia, Singapore, and Ireland listening to Wrestling with God. And of course, to everybody here in the States. Um, We wanted to talk about... um, something today uh, that we both have um, had a lot of close experience with in the traditions that we were raised in. Um, anything that we talk about after uh, purity culture last time is going to be hard, uh, hard to follow up with. But uh, if there's one thing that could follow up on purity culture in uh, the traditions that we grew up in, it is end times and end times prophecy and the rapture and getting left behind and the left behind book series all of all of those things and so that's what we're going to talk about today are you ready megan i'm so ready (laughs) so i told megan i wanted to start out with a story so um just to give all of our listeners an idea of where we come from. So I will never forget this. I was in youth group and um, I grew up in the Pentecostal traditions, like I've mentioned, and end times and end times prophecy in particular is a very big part of like sermons and um, teachings in that tradition. And so it makes sense that in youth group, um, those those things those topics are also heavily talked about and so i will never forget we were uh shown this movie one night at youth group and the movie started out it was very dark um like even the way that they filmed it was very kind of like the um cinematography i guess was just kind it was it was very dark and mysterious and it starts off with these kids going to a party and they're presumably like late high school age and they like yeah oh yeah they sneak out of their house and they're and, and they um they sneak out of their house and they get in their car and they head over to this party and in the background you hear this like kind of music and it's it's very faint and as the as the movie keeps going like by like 10 or 15 minutes in they're like in their car they're arriving at the party they're already starting to talk to people they're starting to drink the devil's juice or the black water or whatever we talked about in that first episode and the this noise in the background keeps getting more and more loud and it and uh, until it almost takes over and you can't even hear the dialogue at the party and stuff. And so anyways, you get this sense that like doom and gloom is in, is like impending. And then the next thing is the rapture happens. 
and like everyone at the party is just still at the party and no one knows that the rapture has happened because of course everyone at the party why would they know that's right they all got left behind and they don't know until they like sneak back into their houses later in the night and their parents aren't in their beds and like all you know all that kind of thing and then the last scene of the movie is them um going through the final judgment and getting like cast into hell because they were sinners and they got left behind and mind you these were like i will mention again like underage kids so like these underage kids in this movie are being portrayed as like sinners going to hell at a party anyway i had nightmares i'm not kidding you for weeks Mm -hmm. after we watched that movie and i will also say at the church that i grew up in the youth group there was a wide age gap age gap um between me and my brother's age we were very young and like the older people in the youth group that were like 16 and 17 we were like 11 and 12 but because we were the only two younger people they didn't want to like have a separate kids class for us so they just lumped us in so we were probably way too young to be watching Mm -hmm. that anyway I mean it's abusive to show it to any kids in general but we were like way too young and I had nightmares like vivid nightmares that I had been left behind and it was so bad that I would get home after school and no one would be home yet and I would run upstairs and like my 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 grandmother was home sometimes and if she was out in the yard and I hadn't seen her yet I would not see her in the house when I got home and think that like the rapture had happened and I I was left behind and it's it's kind of funny now to think about but in those moments I remember the cold sweats that that I would immediately experience when I thought that I had been left behind and after watching that movie knowing that like maybe I was going to like be thrown into hell like and those aren't just like concepts at least they weren't for me when I was a kid in that tradition they were realities like they were absolute realities and so I guess I just kind of wanted to tell that story because I think you can probably um relate to that kind of thing yes most definitely. So that would happen to me too. Not exactly. Yeah, I don't think I watched that exact film, but you know, I would like walk into a room and no one would be there or like you come home from school and no one would be there or something. And I would just panic and I would start like running through a list in my brain of like sins that I had possibly committed that I hadn't asked forgiveness for. Wow. And yeah, it's messed up, but that was just like ingrained in my brain for all basically all of my childhood and god, even sometimes I'll like you won't be able to find Jeff at home. I mean, it's like it's we're home all the time now, so it's a little <laughs> harder to do, but it kind of still flashes in my brain like a little bit, you know. Like 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 there's still a trigger there. Yes. And yeah. and we'll talk about the triggers in this episode uh this year. I think for me anyway has been pretty triggering, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the left behind series was as big of a part of your raising as it was my yeah. Oh yeah. Um you all can't see but she's shaking her head. Um 
I remember reading through the first book, and mind you, these were like, these were books that everyone in my youth group read, and mm-hmm. like, were expected to read, and even like, liked reading. Like, we like, bragged to our friends when, like, when we would finish like, the second book in the series or whatever. And then they came out with the movies yeah. later. Um, and I remember, um, I, I don't know, I just, I just remember how much of a role, uh, was it Tim LaHaye, was that his name, the author? Yeah, LaHaye, and I think, wasn't there a co-author, too? Like another... Yeah, like Jenkins or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. Something like that? Yeah. How, how much of a role those two authors played in, um, in, like, that, that whole culture? Yeah. It feels, like, disproportionate doesn't it like I feel like they owe a lot of people a beer <laughs> I feel like they owe me much more than a beer I need like a <laughs> like very like a stiff bourbon or something yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's true uh, yeah yeah I oh 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 another memory um I remember sitting in church during a sermon and this guy at the church who was a trumpet player who played in like the praise and worship band during the sermon, the pastor and he had like convened and made this plan that during the sermon, he would go to the, he would head to the back of the church where he wouldn't be seen, go up into the balcony and no one ever was up there. And so he, 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 he would have been the only person up there, take his trumpet with him. And at a particular mention of like the trumpet sound, which for all of you that don't know is like, the uh is the announcement of the rapture at the trumpet sound um that's when the rapture happens that he would be cued by some words in the sermon and would start blasting his trumpet that's terrible i was like 10 years old this is a vivid memory i can almost remember what the trumpet player was wearing that day like i like it was like a striped blue shirt like no that's wonder how that's a vivid memory yeah and i i remember before even being aware of what it was the first thought was oh there's a trumpet player in our church no that wasn't the first thought the first thought was that the rapture is happening right now because I didn't turn around to the to the back of the church and look yet before I had that thought um I I haven't thought about that in a long time that just bubbled up to the surface for me um and that is like pure scare tactic like can we just like admit that the pastor used that literally as a scare tactic because then of course probably some big altar call followed where everyone who had just been scared half to death that they'd been left behind were like called down to get saved it's very manipulative yeah did you have any like crazy vivid memories like that that revolve around I feel like my whole upbringing was, it was focused on the end times. And I don't know how much of that is, like, my parents were super focused on it. And, or it's, I, I think I was, like, maybe kind of an anxious child. And so I kind of took it to the next level because I was presented this, these ideas at probably a much too young age. Um, and so I felt like I was kind of always in training 
for the end times. And I remember, and all of this too, like, I don't know if he, how much you remember of like Y2K. Oh yeah. But Y2K I felt like. was when like God was going to come back. We yeah. did not celebrate New Year's Eve that year. We were at an all night prayer vigil at the church just like yeah. praying in the new year just in case because we all thought that like we weren't gonna have any electricity all of our computers were gonna shut down planes were gonna just like drop out of the sky and so i think a lot of this depends on whether you are a pre-trib <laughs> mid-trib or post-trib believer we're gonna have to explain that <laughs> terminology probably yes. yes so well first of all what were you what what did you and your family ascribe to um we were total pre-trib oh really well hold on let let me make sure i have this right we haven't talked a lot about eschatology here at uh, the school of theology yet pre-trib was when like the church like christians are raptured right before the tribulation that is what i was taught yes okay. that the rapture happened christians are taken into heaven and those who are left behind um will have to go through the tribulation mm -hmm. yeah so we were pre-trib okay so as our listeners i'm sure can guess from context mid-trib is the belief that the rapture will happen kind of sometime during the period of tribulation and post-trib is you believe that the rapture is going to happen after the tribulation so believers are going to also have to endure the tribulation and i think it says a lot about you and about your environment by kind of where you fell because we were we were very without saying it explicitly, we were mid-trib, sometimes mm. post-trib. Like, I just always had this understanding that I personally was going to have to endure a, a terrible period where I was going to be persecuted, probably have to go live in the mountains, you know, a, like, communal <laughs> situation, like, and plant your own farm so that you plant can... our own farms, hide from the government. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, there's that verse in the Bible that's like, "Woe to women who are pregnant during this time." And so, like, that was always a thought. Like, why would the Bible have said that if it wasn't going to be that we were going to have to run to the mountains, literally? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I felt like I was always kind of in training to lose all all of my comforts and so i i always had that in my mind that's so interesting and it's interesting how we're formed as kids in those different schools of thought those different schools of belief because as a pre-trib so as a mid-trib you were kind of preparing to have to endure mm -hmm. like half of the tribulation i as a pre-trib was preparing to make sure that there was 0% chance that I was left behind. And so every action, so for me, instead of preparing to endure part of the tribulation, my whole life was lived as being as perfect as I could make it 
so that I, I decreased the risk of being left behind when the rapture did happen. Because for us, the only way that you could make it to heaven after the rapture happened is if you did not take the mark of the beast. And so even after the rapture happened, there was still some hope for you, but you would have to endure the entire tribulation and not take the mark of the beast. And so, like, I didn't want to even consider that as an option. And so my whole life as a kid was lived, like, being as perfect as I could and asking forgiveness for every sin as soon as I committed it to make sure that there was, that I didn't owe God a single debt. So that when the trumpet sounded, I was taken to heaven and would be able to avoid everything that was going to happen in the tribulation. It really informed the type of self-hatred and self-flagellation that we carry. Totally. Because for me, it wasn't so much... you know, I, I think I felt that we would know, like we would be more aware of when the rapture would come because, you know, we would be living, you know, in hiding at that mm-hmm. point. And, um, and then the rapture would happen. We would be released from this terrible, you know, this terrible reality where we're being persecuted and we're having to hide. Um, but you had to just be ready at a moment. So Mm -hmm. you couldn't make any mistakes. Oh, and even I remember some of the hymns in my Pentecostal tradition um, would call upon those verses in scripture that say like, in the midnight hour, in the blinking of an eye, all, all of those texts that contribute to this idea of like, it could happen at any moment, you don't know when it's gonna happen. So you literally, literally live your life on the edge. Like your entire, this gift of human life is spent, literally lived on the edge. Yeah, it's very healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Let me ask you this, because I'm going to ask a follow-up or um, propose a follow-up. How did you know, as a mid-tribber, how did you know that the tribulation had started? Um, I, I, well, I think people think that it's about to start at any second. Um, and so for me, I kind of imagined that, I think I imagined that we would have to, we would be pressured to get the mark of the beast. Mm. And then those that refused, that's when like the persecute, the mass persecution would start and like that's when we'd have to like go into hiding we would have to like gather up everything and and go like live in the hills and and i say that i i'm remembering a lot of this from a very vivid dream i had as a child Uh. where we were living in the mountains you know with like a campfire there was like a huge like community and there's like a campfire i mean we're you know Living All of this both, I want to point out, affected us so much that we literally dreamed about it. We yes. both did. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so this dream was so vivid. We were just kind of doing our thing, tending to our garden, you know, cooking things over a fire, taking care of children, and then we kind of, like, see people coming up the mountain to get us. 
And then that's terrifying. And then Jesus comes down in this big bubble thing, and we just kind of drop everything we're doing and leave. And then everyone who you know, it's obviously the government who's coming to get us. Yeah. But they they get there to our camp and they're really confused because our stuff is still there. Um, and I I swear I have very vivid dreams, so a lot of times it sounds like I'm I'm making it up. That was a real dream I had. I was probably ten or eleven. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I so I attempted to conceal a little chuckle here <laughs> a second ago because as you were telling that. And I feel like we can laugh about a lot of this stuff now, even though we also admit that it's it's very painful that like that that we even had to go through it. But all I could think about when you said Jesus coming down in the bubble was Glinda the Good Witch in the Wizard of Oz when was she was a like, lot like that in the pink bubble. <laughs> it was a lot like that. Glinda the Good Witch was saving y'all and taking you to heaven and keeping you from being taken being kidnapped by the government people yes Mm. so i don't know Mm. maybe i had just watched the wizard of oz or something (laughs) (laughs) well so to go back to my question the reason i asked that is because for for me and you can say if this was the same for you but end time prophecies were how we knew things were about to happen Mm -hmm. or were happening and so I remember that my uh, my parents and grandparents would watch the news, mm. and any time that um, a news headline was talked about, like war or or hunger or even like a random like a plague of locusts in Africa or something, like all this kind of stuff, yeah. like m- my parents and or and or grandparents would like immediately say things like well you know jesus is coming back soon you know jesus come back soon oh that was a constant refrain yeah my family yeah and especially with my grandmother and so the news like became this thing for me i i didn't even realize it at the time i'm just now thinking back on it right now this very depressed now granted the news is very depressing let's just admit that it's like it's all negative etc it's a dumpster fire Admitted, it is a dumpster fire inside of a car wreck, inside of a hot mess. Um, but it also, like, my grandmother would watch it. And I'm realizing now, she probably watched it a little bit to keep up with what was happening in the world. But she also, like, she was a diehard, very pious Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. And I would not doubt if her watching the news was not, like, a part of her faith practice so that she could, like be aware of any prophecy that's being fulfilled. Yeah, that's a good point. And I I wonder the same about my grandmother because she would Oma. watch the news. Huh? Your grandmother, um Oma. Oma. Yeah. Oma. yeah. And she's beloved. I had a very good relationship with her. She she passed just this past March. Um so just I loved her too. context. I love her. Um, so I don't say this, you know, flippantly, but like she, she would always just sit and watch the news and it would usually be Fox news, 700 club, oh, something along Robinson. those lines. And mm-hmm. she would just say, Jesus is coming back soon. <laughs> and it, she would just like, shake her head and just and so finally 
a few years ago, I just kind of looked at her when she said that. And I said, how long have you been saying that? <laughs> and she just kind of shrugged. And I said, did your parents also used to say that? And it just, <laughs> I just, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to make fun of her, but I just didn't want her to be so upset and scared and anxious. And mm -hmm. I feel like that was a lot of her life was devoted to thinking about that. And it, it makes me sad, especially now that she's passed, just thinking about how much of her life was just, ah, Jesus is coming back soon. Yeah. Yeah. How much of her life was internalized um, fear and anxiety mm -hmm. because of all that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think in, Oma. wrapped up in that is this belief that, um, things are just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I carried that too. And I think that's, there's a lot of that in conservative beliefs. There's this fear that like, well, if we let this happen, it's just going to lead to this and this and this, and humanity is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And I, I believed that they, you know, that's what I believed growing up. Mm hmm yeah it's the same for me um about how this kind of thinking um like gave my family an escape from having to deal with the real world like when there was talk of locusts or forest fires in the news instead of looking at those things objectively and thinking hmm why did these happen is it maybe because of an environmental crisis yes. literally not even on the radar it was immediately a sign of the times and we hold no responsibility yeah. for the reason of it because we're about to be raptured anyway and so let's not worry about like taking care of the environment so that these things don't happen or don't happen as often and so um end times prophecies and end times happenings and raptures and all this kind of stuff actually was like a get out of jail free card for yes. having to deal with the real problems of the world absolutely it absolves them from having to care about what's happening in the world now because one Definitely. it's prophesied it's going to happen anyway and two anything that happens in the world is just just humanity getting worse and worse and worse. And so mm -hmm. there's no need to try to improve anything. There's no need to try to um, improve our environmental conditions. Like it's all just, well, it's written in the Bible. It's gonna happen anyway. And- And we're just hanging out here on earth until it does happen. Well, and this idea that if we try to do anything, it's it's almost blasphemous because it's in God's hands. Mm, mm. Well, and kind of taking that point to the next level, there are also people I know who who take the approach that we can actually hasten the rapture and the second coming of Christ by doing certain things. Mm. Um, there are some when Israel was made a state, an actual nation state back in the mid 20th century when it gained its own status as a nation state. Um, there were a lot of people who were pushing for that to happen because 
Israel being a nation state and Israel returning home as a people, as a collective people, was something that was required before the end times could happen. And so there were people who were advocates advocates and major proponents for Israel becoming um, a nation state for no other reason than that the faster that happened, Mm -hmm. the faster the end times happened, the faster that Jesus came back. And so there were even people who, who would like, who would push for all of this kind of stuff um, that, that would push for fulfilled prophecy Mm. because fulfilled prophecy meant that the rapture was right around the corner and we were going to be rescued. Interesting. Did you ever have any inclination that humans could affect like the, the end of like, the timing of Jesus return. Cause I didn't, I, I really didn't think that. Um, well, it was kind of a two edged sword. The verse that was always quoted is that we do not know the hour that only yeah. God knows. God is the only, like, in, in fact, um, we were taught that even Jesus didn't know yes. only God knew. And when it was time, God would tell Jesus and Jesus would come back. Um, so there was that side. Yes. We're, no one knew, but we were also taught that certain things had to happen before the end times could happen. Oh, sorry, um, prior to the rapture happening, the mm-hmm. end times preceded the rapture. Um, that certain things had to happen, and that, like, if they had to happen, then we could make them happen, <laughs> and we would be that much closer to the rapture. Hmm. So it was kind of a... Um, kind of a double um a double standard i guess i don't know what the right word would be but but we were taught both interesting i don't remember ever thinking that there was anything that we could really do to hasten it um but i did take very seriously even as a child the verse that says like no one knows the day or the hour and so for that reason i'm never believed anyone who claimed to know Mm. you know there's always someone who's like trying to predict the end of days uh, or the return of jesus and so i i never felt for any of those um yeah yeah so another uh thing i remember my grandmother uh, she talked about how when the television was mass produced um, and sold um, um, around the world to like everybody when it was like not such a hot commodity. I'm sorry, it was not such a new product that it became affordable for like everybody um, in the world. And I remember um, we would be watching the news and there'd be a like a clip of like a tribe in Africa or something like a um, really remote tribe that had a television. And my grandmother would be like, thank God for the television because the television means that everybody in the world can now hear about Jesus. And the Bible says that God will not come back until everybody in the world has gotten a chance to hear about Jesus and accept him. And so that's another example, not necessarily of people like pushing for, something happen where they could like um manipulate the second coming of christ but they were but they certainly identified this 
technological advance as yeah. the next step that had to happen before before the second coming of Christ. So let's talk about today and how we still kind of live with like the dark side of all this stuff that of how we were raised you mentioned earlier the pandemic or I think you mentioned earlier if you didn't the pandemic how it's been kind of triggering for you can you talk about that a little bit yeah definitely I I had thought that I had done away with all that belief um you know that I thought that I just, I thought I had just kind of deconstructed that. And I intend, I had to kind of intentionally deconstruct those beliefs because they're just very ingrained. But I have to say that when everything started shutting down and they told us we had to stay at home indoors and we had to get two weeks worth of groceries and everyone is running out of stuff. I was very triggered. Like I just, mm-hmm. my brain just went right back to that mentality of, you know, when I was a kid and like, just be prepared to have nothing and be prepared to, um, you know, just to, to live like a pioneer, you know? And so it was very stressful. I, <laughs> kind of panicked every day. I um, wanted to, and I, th- I think that's probably why a lot of people kind of overbought toilet paper, things like that. It's the scarcity mentality. It's that fear. But yeah, I, um, and I did not buy a bunch of toilet paper. <laughs> I will say it was not part of that, but I, um, you know, I wanted to buy as much meat as we could. And I wanted to, you know, I bought all these frozen vegetables because I was so afraid we weren't going to have vegetables available and I bought like a bunch of flour. So if I needed, I could like make my own bread and, you know, it just, I I went back to that mentality very quickly. And I remember thinking maybe I was wrong. Maybe. Wow. Maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe that, everything that I was taught as a kid was right. And I was wrong to kind of denounce that. It was very, it was scary. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing just how quickly you can go back to that kind of trauma. Yeah. Reality. And I think it points to how the deconstruction process is more um, cyclical than it is linear. Oh that yeah. You, that you like process stuff. You learn how bad it was for you. You learn to let it go. But then there are triggers that bring the same stuff up in like a different way or from a different perspective. And you have to deal with it all over again. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. I was having like panic attacks every day. And it's, you have to do a lot of just like telling yourself you're okay. Because Mm. when you grow up thinking, you know, you're not going to be as an adult, you have to go back and tell that kid that like, you're okay. 
Yeah. You, you literally have to create a reality for yourself that you should have had as a kid. You should have felt safe as a kid, but you didn't. And so you have to create that reality for yourself as an adult. Yeah. Did you have any of those kind of fears when this all started? Um, I didn't. I'm a big germaphobe, and so my fears revolve much more around, like, I would see a news headline of, like, a person my age who died from COVID, and I would immediately, there was a friend of ours back home in southwest Georgia who, who died of COVID, um, and um, uh, she had some underlying conditions, but she died, and that, that kind of stuff was my, was my trigger more than, um, in time stuff, but I will say I, I, I saw multiple occasions on the news, um, people talking about like in news interviews and stuff, people talking about how they were not going to be shut down and shut in by the government because it opens up a perfect situation for the government to like enact the mark of the beast and stuff like that. And I'm just now thinking about it, but I wonder there's a there's a there's a major uh, correlation between those people that believe that way and people who don't trust the government. Now, granted, the government, any government, is run by humans. It's going to have faults and errors. But I wonder if there's an underlying subconscious fear of like the government because the government will one day be the agent of the mark of the beast yeah i mean that's definitely what i thought and what not even just what i thought as a kid that was what i was told wow i was told that directly yeah that the mark of the beast was probably going to be a barcode inserted Uh under our skin Uh uh-huh and we, that was going to be used to buy groceries and go to the doctor and just everything. You know, we would do away with money and we would, they would have all of our information just there, which sounds kind of convenient. <laughs> but um, Well, I know a ton of people who freaked out when Apple Pay Mm-hmm. Uh, started to become a thing when like you didn't even have to swipe your card anymore or didn't even have to have your card. It was on your phone yeah. and you just held your phone up to like the payment thing in, in stores because the very next step is that they can just insert a chip under your skin and then you're just paying with your skin. And in fact, I think that's a reality like in maybe ne- the Netherlands or some, there's some Northern European country where I think they're already experimenting with that kind of stuff. And I have heard family members who were like, well, that's it. The mark of yeah. the beast is essentially here, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, those are stories where I, my, my brain will take me to a place of maybe they were right. Maybe this is right. And maybe, oh, yeah. maybe I do need to be worried about this. So that for me is, is kind of Go like what it. the pandemic was for you. <laughs> So I know that this whole podcast is like, actually, every episode of this podcast is turning into you ain't gonna believe this shit, I feel like. Oh my god, yes. there's, there's There's even stuff for each of us. I like, I'll, I'll hear you say something and I'm like, wow, like I had it bad, but 
I didn't even go that far. And I've seen you make some looks too when I've been talking about stuff and you're like, damn, like I didn't believe that. And so, but um, I think it's worth keeping You Ain't Gonna Believe This Shit segment in. So do you have a You Ain't Gonna Believe This Shit for our bi-weekly segment? I do. So, you know, I was just talking about being triggered and just how quickly I reverted back into that mindset. Well, last week or the week before, you know, we were moving. And so our landlord was in the house that we were in was putting the house on the market. And so she had some people coming to do some work on the outside of the house. And so I'm sitting at the table and I'm working and I hear this. Is that like the Ricola man? It sounded like you've heard of Shofar, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So I always grew up thinking that a Shofar is what we would hear when Jesus came back. Same. Mm-hmm. So I heard that sound. I went into panic for a hot second Mm. thinking is this the shofar where's Jesus I don't even believe this anymore (laughs) I went into a for real panic for for just a minute yeah but um yeah Uh, and then I realized it's the sound of the saw because they were replacing some of the siding but legit, that saw sounded just like a shofar, and oh it gosh. freaked me out. Have you ever had the same reaction to, like, the hurricane sirens down there on the coast or anything like Or do y'all even have those down there? I haven't heard them because we're, we're inland, so I don't... Oh, that's true. That's true. But tornado sirens are scary. They're scarier. Than that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. They're scary. Yeah. Mm. I don't like it. So yeah, it was like instant. I went back to like ten-year-old Megan, just like that's happening. Oh, that's crazy! <laughs> it's crazy how our um, like it's a very psychosomatic response. Mm-hmm. Like it involved a like a brain trigger, but your body also responded. To yes, the definitely. Yeah, that's nuts. My, you ain't gonna believe this shit. Um, I was trying to think of a good one. There's so many on this topic, especially, that um, would be helpful. I, so I guess um, for those that didn't grow up in our traditions, um, the idea of a potter's house production may sound foreign. I don't know if that's what y'all call these things. I'm sure that you had them. Where, like... Um, our youth group and people from the church would enact a drama of like the final judgment and for like like major mega churches they would become these like walk through presentations where you would walk through different scenes that were being um um acted out not much different from the movie that i talked about at the start of the podcast and you would see these different people and then like the last scene and you're, it's right in front of you. It's being, act, like, literally acted out. And there's fog. 
machines and bright lights and people dressed up as demons and people dressed up as angels. Yeah, and I forget what we called them, but I know what you're, did you do it like it like in place of like a haunted house? Yes, yeah. exactly right. And so a lot of times there were um, uh, uh, the, the like classic scene is a person who's standing in judgment um, in front of God, the Lamb's book of life is opened and angels run out from one side of the stage, demons run out from the other, and they engage in this tug of war with the person who's being judged. And in front of you is this, is this vision of good and evil literally wrestling for this person's soul in front of God who is judging. And I participated in those as like a 10-year-old. I had dressed up as a demon, as like a young child with like face paint, red face paint, horns with um and and acted out Ugh. pulling on somebody who was being judged by god to take them to hell and um the classic scene is in in all of these things in all of these um potter's house productions is that some people would go to heaven and some would go to hell and so when i was playing a dean and the year that i played the demon my job was to literally sometimes pull people by their ankles on the floor because you, you like have to make it look real off stage right into hell where there's like a bunch of red lights flashing and strobe lights and fog machines and then there's like these really loud um, sound effects of like skin burning and human flesh like cooking and um and so yeah I look back on that and think wow I don't believe that shit sometimes and then I'm also like how the hell did I survive all yeah that's that? terrifying mm-hmm Yep. And it's terrifying that they would include children so young. Kids. Yeah. My therapist labeled it without hesitation, child abuse, like yeah. straight up. Yeah. Straight up. Maybe not intentional, but yeah. absolute child abuse. Well, you're still talking about it today. Yeah. In your thirties. So yeah. An impression. Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <sighs> so what are you into these days oh um i'm really not into that much except unpacking um i really love our house it's it's really nice i just like i was telling you earlier i just like really am anxious to get everything unpacked so i know where everything is and i can get in my rhythm in the house um i am reading a book that i think you would like i'm in a theology book club and it's called um paranoid science i wish mm. i had it right next to me because i would read the subtitle but um it's it's about like evangelicals and their like war on science and like mm. the history of it it's very very good i highly recommend it i think you'd really like it oh i will have to add that to my amazon wish list yeah that sounds cool um i'm into something right now called the disintegration loops have you ever heard of it no it is modern music and it was um it was created um uh, in the early 2000s by an avant-garde composer named William Basinski. And um, I only know about this. I've only known about it for like 24 hours, but I'm really into it. 
um, one of my classmates here at the seminary preached yesterday in class, and he incorporated the this music into his sermon, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, shout out to Charlie if you're listening. Um, this uh, this dude, uh, William Basinski, um, had come across some eight tracks or some cassettes or something um, that had recorded music in like the 70s or 80s. And I, I may get some of these details wrong, but the gist will be the same. And uh, he thought that they'd been lost. Well, he found them in like the um, like 2001 to 2002 um, and pulled them out and uh, try to play the music that that had been recorded on them. Well, because I don't know if it's because how they were stored or whatever, but the magnetic tapes that are in cassettes and eight tracks started to disintegrate as they were being played. But you could also still hear a faint echo of the music that had been recorded too. And so he went and got a recording device, I don't know what, but and started to record the sound of this playback machine disintegrating the the recorded music. And it's definitely modern music and it's not something that you like would fall asleep to at night, but it is a fascinating oh, musical recording um of both the beauty and the creation of music and the disintegration of something physical this tape wow. happening at the same time there's so much there's so much good like metaphor built into this music and that's that's what makes it and that's why I'm into it but he he played a couple of seconds of um some of the music at the very end of his sermon um and oh it was just excellent and so now i'm kind of hooked on this and i'm not a big fan of modern music anyway i am a musician i've never been, never been a big fan of modern music but this is really good stuff you sh you, you should That's check so out cool. the disintegration crazy. loops thanks for listening y'all um we hope y'all enjoyed today's episode talking about um end times uh culture and we will see you on the next episode Join us next time as we talk about two things that you're not supposed to talk about, politics and religion. Just a reminder, you can find us on Instagram at wrestlingwithgodpod. It's the end of the world as we know it. Wait, wait. It's not the end of the world because we're already in hell. <laughs>